Stories are important, some especially so. Some have such a colossal impact on our culture that the reverberations of their creation and its consequences are still felt decades or centuries later. These works are the cornerstones of our culture, their support reaching far, far past anything their original creators could have possibly envisioned. Today, I'd like to talk about one of these stories, a story that sadly receives very little of the recognition it deserves. I'd like to share with you the novel, Carmilla. If you think about it, it's pretty weird just how fluid the myths of vampires are. Vampires originate from Eastern Europe, but so many creatures from all over the world share enough similarities with the overarching vampire mythos that they just get steamrolled into it, like a giant corporation eating up its competition. The Mayans even had a god that was pretty much a vampire, but even more bloodthirsty. Because South American mythology is one giant metal album cover. However, there's one trait that unites the chaotic mess that is vampire mythos. Hypnosis. Werewolves, trolls, and other monsters of the woods tend to just behave like animals, rushing down prey and ripping it to shreds. Vampires, in general, take a different tactic to their hunts, luring prey in with mesmerizing beauty. Sometimes they let their prey survive for as long as possible to get return feedings, or even get their target to fall in love with them and allow the monster to feed of their own volition. Vampires are also steeped in much more mysticism and rules than their peers, can only enter a home if invited, burns in sunlight, can shapeshift, but only at certain times of day, can't cross running water, allergic to a dozen different things like garlic and silver. Vampires carry a slower, creeping horror to them than other monsters, and while they've been around for as long as European culture has, it was only with the advent of gothic horror novels that this mess of a mythos was codified. You might have been expecting a different iconic vampire novel to appear first, but he gets enough attention. Let's talk about Carmilla. Written in 1872 by Joseph Sheridan Le Fanu. The novel follows an aristocratic young woman, Laura, whose family takes in a young woman who seems lost and ill, the titular Carmilla. Over time, the vampire Carmilla makes herself at home in their mansion and begins feeding on Laura at night. While Carmilla's health improves, Laura's worsens. However, before Laura's life can drain fully, she works her way through the plot and puts together that Carmilla is actually a very old vampire through notes left by former aristocrats, and a portrait of a centuries-old countess that bears a striking resemblance to her. Carmela flees the family once a vampire-hunting doctor arrives, but he works his way to her tomb, where she's found sleeping in blood within her coffin, barely breathing with her eyes open. Some people just sleep weird. I have no room to judge. The vampire hunter drives a stake through her heart, cuts off her head, burns the remains, and dumps the ashes in a rushing river. Laura's father takes her on a tour of Italy to take her mind off of how a bloodthirsty monster molested her in the night, but it turns out PTSD isn't cured by vacation, and Laura bears the trauma for the rest of her life. But they spend some quality time together. Despite its age, several things still make Carmela distinct in vampire literature. First, it predates Dracula by 26 years. 
a lot of the cornerstones of vampire mythos originate in Carmilla, the vampire that can pass as human, growing stronger after feeding, growing weaker as they starve, sleeping in the coffin. The complex execution method necessary to kill a vampire, we see all of that in Carmilla first. Second is the manner in which we see vampires hunt. Carmilla starts the novel off weak and feeble. If anyone knew what she was, they could kill her with ease or at the least wound her horribly. She presents a threat not because she can rip the family to shreds, but because she's a stranger that can infiltrate their home with grace and social agility. For example, there are several times when Laura's father asks her when she'll be healthy enough to move on, and Carmilla deftly turns the not-so-subtle eviction back on him, saying that's horribly rude to kick a helpless girl out onto the streets. She gets a guy to apologize to her for almost kicking her out after overstaying her welcome. Anytime the conversation drifts towards the painting that resembles her, or her family, or her past, Carmilla turns everyone's attention to something else, either by faking feigning spells or slime manipulation of the conversation towards what she wants it to be. While werewolves rip your heart out like animals, a detachment from society that exists beyond the walls of your home, Carmilla solidified vampires as a threat that's a part of human society, a threat that bypasses that safety, that sanctuary, that is your home and the people around you. Humans have always found safety against natural predators in our communal numbers. What makes vampires so horrifying is that this protection becomes a shroud of cover for this threat to sneak up to you unnoticed. That's the horror aspect of the novel. Now, let's talk about lesbians. Go watch literally anything vampire-related, and you'll probably notice that vampires come in two flavors. Horribly ugly monster with a face full of knives, and hunky bad boy slash hot lady in leather. And over the years, number one has fallen far, far out of grace in favor of the latter. Vampires' dominating trait of being hypnotic, alluring hunters naturally gave them a path to using sex appeal to pull prey towards them. If you're going to follow anyone down dark alley to get murdered, it would most likely be for the promise of boinking said person. And while the flagrant sexiness is a more modern invention, the underlying sexual themes go all the way back to Carmilla. However, when I say underlying, I don't mean the kind of homoeroticism you see in the likes of Twilight fanfiction, the kind that carries itself with all the narrative grace of a crackhead swinging a sledgehammer in a pottery barn. No romantic involvement is ever conducted between Laura and Carmilla. However, their interactions carry a very small hint of intimacy, alongside the natural intimacy of how vampires feed. This, paired with Carmilla's feelings of guilt over having to kill to sustain her own life, make her an incredibly endearing, likable character, both to the reader and through projection to our POV character, Laura. Though nothing ever happens between Laura and Carmilla, there's enough hints weaved into the narrative to convey to the reader that there's something intimate between them. Although that something turns out to be one slowly killing the other, most people auto-completed that thought to something much more sexual and even romantic. And this leads into another important milestone in vampires, Carmilla's humanity. Carmilla kicked off another trait found in modern vampires, something incredibly important to their longevity in our culture, 
the idea that they could still retain their humanity. Her successor, Dracula, is a cold-hearted killer without remorse. But because the more emotional Carmilla came first, the gate was open to the idea of your horror monster having motivations and thoughts other than kill the protagonist. Carmilla is a person who feels affection and guilt and nervousness and the full range of human emotions. Part of what makes vampires scary, alongside zombies and other undead, is that you could be turned into one. They used to be human, and now they're not. You're human, and one day, you can no longer be human just like them. Earlier in vampire mythology, this aspect hit home through its absurdity. There's no way I could end up like this monster, right? The Victorian thinks to themselves as they quiver in their bed at night. But with the advent of Carmilla and her emotion-wrought humanity, this aspect of vampires is driven home much harder. Not only did they used to be people, in a lot of ways, they still are. And this makes the prospect of becoming one seem much less absurd. There's always been this wall between people and their monsters. Monsters were these things that lived over there, in the dark, in the woods, in the ocean, separated. Something foreign to the human world, to human society. Something on the other side of our walls. Vampires demolished those walls. And it was Carmilla that took the first swing.